0: Assalamu awesome. alaikum I and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Dr. Marissa Layton. She is doing it, people. Go to the website, see what she's all about. There are going to be notes in the show, notes of the podcast as well. She's working with entrepreneurs, getting people to level up. She has her own business coach consulting as well. People, I'm telling you, I'm I'm so happy to talk to her right now. And uh, we're going to get these gems out there for you to do what you need to do. Because, you know, I'm all about educators taking control of their lives, their careers, and their finances. So I'm excited to have, again, I, you know, I'm, I know I am just keep going on, but uh, people, you're going to love this conversation. I, I just can't tell you how excited I am because the more research I did about her, I was like, yo, this thing got to happen. This thing got to happen. Uh, so for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify, will you please introduce yourself, Dr. Marissa?
1: So uh, my name, like Dr. Will said, is Dr. Marissa Layton. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Mixed Level Consulting, which is a global business management firm. Um, I primarily work with people-based problems. Um, so that's employee engagement, customer service, and leadership development. Um, long story short, I kind of got into business coaching because people that look like me and people that were around my age could not afford my consulting services. So I definitely wanted to do something Um, outside of the corporate world where I could help small businesses. And that's when I got into coaching.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Up in the ATL. (laughs) I like Atlanta, but I hate Atlanta traffic.
1: Oh, very true.
0: (laughs) Hate it, hate it, hate it. Uh, So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. So what do you think you'll be doing when you were growing up and what attracted you to entrepreneurship?
1: So the funny thing is I always loved teaching and I always loved working with kids. Um, I would be the person that would play school. So like I would make my brother sit down in the classroom and I would have like a fake little board. A lot of times it was just a poster board. I think at one point in time, my parents got me a whiteboard or a chalkboard, um, but I always took it a step further and said, you know what, I'm going to open a school, which is definitely something that I still see myself doing within the next 10 years. But um, my dream job growing up and the track that I was on was actually setting me up to be an actress. Um, I did tons of plays, I did a handful of commercials, I signed with the top agency and College, but later on in life, I fell in love with this thing called consulting. And my dad owned a business most of my life, so I always knew about entrepreneurship. I knew I would start a business, definitely. Never in a million years would have thought it would have been a global business management company. Um, I more so thought, you know, since I was going to be an actress, it would be like a franchise, or like I said, maybe my school, something like that. But um, when I fell in love with consulting, you know, I'm I am a spiritual person and um, God actually gave me my business. He gave me my name, my logo, my slogan, and it really came from a season just of me being lost. Um, Just to be honest and keep it short, I I couldn't find a job that would work with my doctoral requirements. Um, I had to leave to go to residency. Mm -hmm. Um, I had certain things that I had to do in the evening time for my school requirements. When it got time to my final doctoral project, I had to commit certain hours to research. And um, consulting is demanding and people didn't want to work with it. So I worked with a small consulting firm and that was just miserable. So when I prayed and asked God for direction and he gave me next level, I just ran with it. And then, like I said, coaching eventually came. Um, once I started realizing, you know, if I really wanted to work and help small businesses, then I had to create another system. And that's how my entrepreneurship journey started.
0: Wow. So how did you take that work experience, your education and your skills to understand the best market fit for you?
1: So for me, everything kind of pointed to consulting, um, because so, I got my bachelor's in theater, um, but then my dad encouraged me to follow another passion of mine, which has always been leadership. And um, I got my master's in organizational leadership, and then I went on to get my doctorate in strategic leadership. But during my master's program, when I was introduced to consulting, I fell in love. So um, when it came to education, when it came to experiences, like I interned with a top consultant in Atlanta, um, it just... It just made sense. It was more so for me finding my niche. And I'm naturally a people person. So I knew I wanted to work with people based problems, reducing employee turnover, increasing employee engagement, building better customer relations, you know, anything involving leadership, employees or the consumer that was up my alley. So, um, I loved it, but I won't say I had a lot of uh, a lot of consulting experience at the time. Um, I definitely only had a few years under my belt when I started my business. Mm-hmm. But what I did have a lot of experience in was leadership development. So actually, in my high school and college years, I actually created leadership development curriculum for Virginia Beach Public Schools. And it's crazy now when I think about it, because um, <laughs> I hope no one from Virginia Beach Public Schools is listening, but I really think... Um, because now I realize how much money is in that. And it was really smart the way they did it, but it really kind of took advantage of us because now as a consultant and as someone who does leadership development, you know, those are six, seven figure contracts. And as a high school kid, we was making like 1,500 and thought we were killing the game. (laughs) But, uh, you know, those experiences with leadership development really helped me realize I need to niche it down specifically to helping companies with leadership, to helping CEOs with executive leadership coaching. So I really kind of um, just took consulting with my experiences and my expertise there and just niched it down to something specific, leadership development, which I'd had a lot of experience in.
0: Mm -hmm. So as a business coach, what products or services do you offer and how do you Assist your clients in developing, you know, a profitable, profitable business. Because I went to your website and I saw, you know, like a hairdresser and some other Mm people like, yo, I made all this money. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, how do you work with those clients in taking their business, pun intended, to the next
1: level? Um, so I really utilize my experiences as an entrepreneur through my consulting firm and then my experiences as a corporate, a corporate consultant and really just help people um, primarily new, um, you know, like fairly new or aspiring entrepreneurs take their passion-filled idea into a purpose-filled and profitable business unit. And um, for me, it's all about mindset. Um, I learned early on that, you know, even wealth is a mindset. That's why someone can win the lottery and be broke the following year. Um, Mm -hmm. Athletes can get drafted and they get hurt and you're like, how are you broke? (laughs) You signed a seven, eight figure deal. How are you broke? Um, And it's really about mindset. So even when it comes to entrepreneurship, you know, I'm really big on um, financial literacy. I'm really big on financial freedom. So, um, I kind of call myself, I call myself a business coach, but I also tell people I'm kind of like a holistic coach um, because we do business, we do finances, we do life. Um, So I make sure that everything is put together when you're taking your business to the next level. And I do one-on-one group coaching and then I have digital products that focus on goal setting, wealth building, and resources to help you launch or grow your business.
0: Mm. So as educators, you know, we are Jackson jills of all things, right? We're most of us. Our jobs don't have us specialize in anything. You know, we, we're we're teaching different sub, so many subjects. Even if you're dealing with different, you know, different curriculum and classroom management and all those things that you have to juggle and try to be your your best at. But we don't get to sort of generally drill down and say this is it, this is what I'm going to be, be doing, that I'm going to build my expertise around. How should that edu- that second grade teacher do the work of uncovering their niche, their value add? What should they be looking for in their experiences in the classroom or evaluations from administrators or even comments that other teachers give them?
1: hmm You know, really be mindful of what other people are saying to you. Um, Really be mindful of what people are saying that you're really good at, because a lot of times we're ultimately already walking in what it is that we're meant to do, and we just don't know it. You know, um, like I said, I was building leadership programs at like 15, 16, and I never would have thought 10, 15. 11, 12 years later, that I would be building strategies for multi-billion dollar organizations. Like, my mind did not go that far. However, you know, my, it was kind of the trajectory for my life, if you think about things that I I was already doing as a child. So when you're thinking about uh, things that you're doing in the classroom, things that your peers are saying about you, um, if they're saying that you're empowering, you know, look into speaking blogging you can really monetize off of blogs these days um becoming an author if you're like oh my gosh those things are just so daunting then start small with affirmation cards you know if you're the person um that writes like little encouraging notes and leaves it for different teachers turn that into a business if people say that you're good at making learning fun get into content creation create an online platform Um, now the schools that did not work, did not already have online formats are really struggling. So you really would have came in handy there. And then even when things do go back to normal, you know, homeschooling is very popular. Um, I know I'm definitely Georgia has a great homeschooling program and I'm definitely considering when I do have children um, homeschooling them and I would pay a whole bunch of money for someone to, you know, of course I'm going to use the Georgia program, but in addition, Um, I will pay a lot of money for online programs. So if you are that person that is great at turning that content into something fun, Figure out how you can become a content creator, you know, even if you're like, I don't really want to get into the online platform, but you create and then you present to schools or you sell your curriculum to schools, you know, just be mindful of the rights so you can turn into a passive income and not just completely give it to somebody. Um, And then even if people are just saying, you know, if a new teacher comes in and everyone always puts the new teacher on you and you're like, why does everyone always tell me, oh, I should onboard, I should help them. Um, transition into the new school, it's probably because you have a niche for training. So figure out how, even if it's on the leadership side, depending on how long you've been teaching, um, how you can train different teachers, different educators. I know someone reached out to me, the way she niched it down was crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. But she was literally a coach for Minority principals or directors of private schools, and she wanted me to help her grow that business. So she specifically said, you know, they have to be in our minorities. It has to be a private or a charter school, and that was from her experiences. She was really good at helping um, on board people when she was in the education um, field and teaching and things of that nature. And she decided to become a coach from it. So you know, I don't know now how much money she's making, but like I told her, you know, once you You know, sometimes when you dish down that car, it can be kind of difficult to find um, your audience. But once you find them, that money just flows because it's so specific that not that many people are doing that, that you're good to go. So, you know, really just take what people are saying and figure out ways that you can monetize off of your talents.
0: Mm. When people are looking to find that ideal client, uh, what questions should they be asking themselves?
1: So really think about who you most connect with and who you most relate to because eventually you're gonna have to market Mm -hmm. and you want your marketing efforts to convert. And if you're not relatable, then a lot of times, and you could hire somebody, um, but you know, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, let's be honest, you're doing it by yourself. So you really wanna make sure that your ideal client and your target market is someone that relates to you. Um, and then really focus on who needs, not who wants, but who needs what you're offering, and then who is willing to invest. Invest being the key word. Um, like when I first started my consulting firm, I just knew I was working with nonprofits, just knew. But it didn't take me long to realize nonprofits, can't afford my services. So I need to market to who my services, who my prices of my services appeal to. And for me, that was made to large size enterprises. And then with coaching, because I was building my consulting firm during my doctoral program, I was like, well, duh, if I'm going to be a business coach, I should just coach students, you know, people who are in school and try to build a business. But college students couldn't afford my my coaching services so then i realized i needed to work with educated working professionals you know so definitely be mindful of your value you know sometimes i feel like people focus on their target audience and then they're wondering why they can't get clients either your prices are too high or either you're lowballing. so you know when you're figuring out your ideal client definitely be mindful of your value and then take that into consideration before you're just sold on um, a, a specific target market. And then when it comes down to narrowing down your target market, of course you should know the basics, gender, age, life stage, profession, all of those type of things, um, including income. But really dig deep and ask yourself, who do they follow on social media? Because that's what you need to be engaging with. Those are the comments you need to be in. Um, where do they like to go? Because that's where you need to be. Um, how do they define success? And then how do they measure success? Because in your marketing tactics, that's what you need to speak to. Mm.
0: So when you're talking about value and the problem, I guess your business should be solving for your clients. How should someone determine understand that you're not just selling you know like a t-shirt like when 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 nike puts out a t-shirt or someone else that it's a shirt it's not them it's not that shirt isn't solving a problem it's just a shirt right Mm -hmm. it's not like uh you know this I guess certain coats, if you sold a certain coat Mm -hmm. in the winter and you said, listen, New York, when it drops down to zero degrees, this coat going to make you feel 70 toasted. We got this right here. So you could say maybe this is solving a problem, but generally Mm -hmm. it is what it is like, you know, and and I don't know if that's a great analogy or not, but when, (laughs) when, when you are that educator or that consultant or that hairdresser or whomever, and you're saying, look, I have to solve a problem for a client because that's how I am going to build my business, sustain my business. How, how does someone look at what they're doing and be able to articulate the problem they're solved, right? So, just, so instead of them just saying, I offer Google training to school districts, how are they able to understand how in using Google or whatever they're doing, they're actually meeting the need of a school district and solving that need?
1: It's really putting yourself in the shoes of the client, you know, and a lot of times whenever you have a service or product, it should be the solution to something. So, um, like as a coach, the problem is I have no idea what I'm doing, um, with my business. The solution is I'll help you build your business, but you do have those people where they don't really answer a need. Like, you know, I have clients are like, okay, Marissa, I get what you're saying, want versus need, but I don't really address a need. Well, you need to kill the want. You know, I always mm-hmm. use the example of food. I want uh, Ruth Chris steak medallions with the shrimp on top. I just need food. That could be a piece <laughs> of bread with some peanut butter. So when you're looking at it that way, you know, though I just need the bread with the peanut butter, Oh, best believe I'm still gonna invest in Ruth Chris every now and then. So you really have to find ways that your want, even if you don't necessarily address a need, like the shirt example. Um, I had a client that sell bracelets and she's like, well, that's not a need. Okay, you need to kill your want. Why would someone invest in this? What makes your bracelet special out of everyone else? So it's really just finding, if your value doesn't necessarily answer a question, why is your product or service even valuable would Mm -hmm. you invest in your own product or service you know um if i'm torn between you and someone else you know what sets you apart why would someone invest in you over another person what is and that goes back to making sure that you're relatable and making sure that you connect because what is it that makes them want to buy from you instead of from susie q down the street
0: Wow, I love that, people. Did you hear that, people? Make sure you rewind, you stop, you listen to that again, get your notepad out. I like that right there. I saw this on your website. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I got a little giddy inside when you start talking about the six figures. Now, I'm not searching for the six figures, right? That's not on my dream. But I'm not going to turn it down either. Uh, so how does an educator take that side hustle that they're doing, whether it's they're offering courses, they have a a, a book out there, and from that they're speaking, uh, they're doing webinars. How do they take that to grow that into a six figure business? and what steps should they be taking for steady growth?
1: So um, one thing I always like to say is focus on the tree and grow some branches. So um, I am, if anyone follows me on social media, you know I always promote multiple sources and multiple streams. So a source is an entity within itself. So like an income source for me um, would be coaching and then consulting. An income stream would be from coaching, I have group coaching, one-on-one coaching, speaking, digital products. You know, those are my different streams. But then my source is an entity. However, the problem that I see when people are trying to grow is sometimes, especially when it comes to millennials, because we have so many ideas and we just want to produce, it's just too much going on. And, you know, Mm. you really need a solid foundation. So focus on your tree and grow some branches. So when it comes to your branches, create a list of 50. So what this is, is a list of 50 services or 50 products that you can produce. Um, I'm big on starting where you are, using what you have and doing what you can. So, you know, definitely within your current resources, what you can you produce on um, I'm big on planning but don't procrastinate so when it comes to the list I find that it's a lot easier if it's literally just like the first things that come to your mind once you get to 50 things that just blow then stop and then look at your list and see from this what fits my brand, what I'm currently doing, and how can I build off something. So like I said, with coaching, um, it started with one-on-one coaching. Then I started digital products. Then I started group coaching. Uh, Then I started, well, I was already speaking, but then I started speaking more within my personal brand. And then those became my branches. So really allow yourself to stretch and innovate and follow trends. Uh, A lot of people I'm not going to say they look at it as a negative way. I think some people think when you're following trends, um, you're copying other people. However, following market trends is actually something you need to do to be successful in business. If you talk to, um, any successful entrepreneur, I can promise you they did a market analysis and a part of that market analysis was to study market trends if they did it the right way and take that as somebody who is a consultant who went to school for this, like you, you need to know market trends. So when it comes to following trends, I'll just use now as an example. I know we were just talking about COVID and having digital learning tools. Everyone is creating something that's digital. So if you don't already have digital products, if you're not already doing webinars, masterclasses, you need to get on that. So really being able, if you really want to grow, if you really want to build, be able to innovate, follow market mm. trends, or else, honestly, you're just going to get stagnant. And mm. don't forget your list of 50.
0: <laughs> I hear to hit another gem, people. Write that down, write that down. Now I want to throw this out there to you because... It's about the free versus the paid content, right? So there are people where you go online and and some of the people that I love to follow, you know, they have these great YouTube channels where let's say, you know, once a week, you know, they're dropping, you know, 10, 15 minute video that is educating someone on something specific or you had a podcast and they're doing the same thing. Now those are free And they're doing that to sort of build, I guess, that no like, and trust factor so that they can then hit you up for join my group, join my master class, do this. We all know that you can't give it all away for free. Even like right now on, on this podcast, you've been sprinkling, right? You've been sprinkling some good some good stuff but you're not giving the whole meal right now and you and you can't because we got to pay for it so how does someone determine how much free they should do how much of what they offer for pay should be added to the free
1: so um i just say i'm real strategic (laughs) with my sprinkles, you know um so if you're not good at at it um you know, definitely don't beat yourself up. It takes a lot of practice, but I definitely would start with give people the what you can tell them all day what they need to do. Um, you know, if you're in entrepreneurship, what tools you use, what strategies you use, but don't give them the how that's what they need to pay for. So all day you, you want to know what it is? Sure. You want to know how to do it? invoice, you know? Um, so it's very important to just kind of make sure that you figure out a sweet spot. Um, I know for me, I do do, you know, like the weekly thing, I do something called coaching tip Thursday. And for that, I let people submit questions and then I pick a question, but even then sometimes I give the how, but it'll be like real, like now how, um, I gave y'all the list of 50, you know, that was a, how you could build additional strings. However, I could tell you how to build out your list of 50 to turn it into a six figure income, but you got to pay for that. You get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. even then I still went a little deeper than the what, but it, it's more like a hook you know, you got to find a way to hook people in. And that really goes back to, and it's, it's crazy how everything is just full circle. That really goes back to, um, knowing who your content relates to because then, and then it goes back to, like I said, knowing, um, the measure of a, potential clients how they measure success because a lot of my clients do want six or seven figure incomes and I know that so I know everything I'm gonna say is going to basically put a bug in their ear oh I can get you there I can get you there I've done it for go on my website you can see who I've done it for and that's like a hook and then with the hook you know you just gotta reel them back in so focus on releasing the what and selling the how And then, you know, find a few hooks that you can constantly throw at people to kind of reel them back in.
0: Mm, I catch you. I catch you. That's nice. That's nice. Everyone sort of has an end game. A sort of if I could write this out, this would be where I see myself going. Before we go, what is your biggest dream as an entrepreneur?
1: So it's so like crazy when people ask me this because, you know, um, so many times I feel like people focus on like the financial side of things. And I'm not going to lie that that was me. um, Honestly, until like the last year, (laughs) um, And then as me being someone that has already achieved, you know, having clients all around the world, working with multi-billion dollar, dollar organizations and I'm 28 three and a half years in I'm not gonna lie that's pretty cool that's something that I'm proud of so naturally of course it would be like oh I want to be a billion dollar organization I want to have offices around the world but if I'm being real it really boils down to the impact for me and I think especially since on the consulting side that's more so corporate and not to say that I don't make a difference um, but making corporations more money doesn't hit like making millennial women of color more money. Um so it's really finding ways to continue to build black and brown millennial millionaires one business at a time. If if I can really just look back and see like all my clients just thriving, then for me my dream has came true. Wow,
0: wow. That's all That's all right. I love that. That's the way to end it right there people. <laughs> Straight from the ATL, full of tremendous Black entrepreneurship, Black success, and bad traffic. Uh <laughs> I'm going to have to give you a driver next time. I just can't get that traffic. <laughs> uh So thank you again, Dr. Uh, Marissa, for coming on and dropping so many gems.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You are welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this, this podcast episode will be up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, and Stitcher. I need you to subscribe. I need you to leave me some stars. Hey, I'm loving it, people, but can I get a recommendation? Can I get a comment, people? Because your boy's trying to get Oprah on the show, and I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Marissa, Marissa Layton, for coming on and dropping so many gems. And I'd like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you, EDU, peace.